Uh, you can do the intro this time. Okay. Okay. Fucking do it. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Being Honest with My Ex. My ex is Peter C. Haywood. And my ex is SJ, better known as Honor Eastley. And this episode, we are doing an hour-long special about the year we just had and the year ahead. Although, I would put a caveat that whenever we've tried to make <laughs> themes, we always go very, very far from them. No, look, I think our last Christmas episode was just so Christmassy <laughs> from start to finish. We talked about my family's Christmas uh, in great detail. <laughs> we didn't mention your family's Christmas. We talked pretty much about, like, Tumblr porn, Cards <laughs> Against Humanity... And a tiny bit about my Christmas. I gave my little brother a lift to buy some furniture the other day because I'm, I'm leaving Australia and so I'm in Brisbane at the moment. Our podcast description is a lie at the moment. Have you noticed? What's our podcast description say? Says, it says that we live on opposite sides of the world. Right now I'm in Queensland and you're in Melbourne. So It may as well be opposite sides of the world. I don't see you. <laughs> when we started, I was in Canberra. I was like eight hours from your house. Um, yeah, but that was eight hours. I was not going to go. I was, I'm, I'm leaving Australia forever in 11 days. It's the third of january at the moment we felt we record these way ahead of time uh which is why it's a 2015 special like 14 days into the new year anyway <laughs> i'm about to leave australia so i'm hanging out with my little brother i was giving him a lift to buy some furniture from ikea and we we're talking about the podcast and i was saying that i am one of the most interesting people i know wow you are more interesting than me and so wait on you are going to need to talk some more on that. <laughs> well, I, you know I think I'm interesting, yeah? I mean, I know that you think very highly of yourself, and I'm pretty sure that interesting would be one of the little, you know... I think... If you were going to hashtag yourself on Tumblr, you'd probably put interesting next to Bluebeard. That's, uh, that, that would not be the order, but I think they would both be in there. <laughs> and so, like, part of my idea for this podcast was, like, I have a lot of thoughts and ideas and interesting stories... And then we start recording and I mostly just ask you about your life because I'm like, actually, no, SJ's life is probably like, I think your thoughts and your life is a little bit more interesting. And so in order to make this podcast as good as it can be, I was saying to my brother, like, it's really just me asking SJ questions and then her talking for 30 minutes. Um, wow. I actually hadn't noticed that about the podcast. Yeah. I was, I was thinking of like putting together a little compilation of every podcast, starting with me asking you a question. Because they do. I'm always like, how's this? Tell me this, etc. Because you uh, you have an interesting life. Oh, that's nice. And, and so, yeah, the, the Christmas special, I was like, I'll tell this story and this story. And then we started and I was like, no, I'm just going to listen to what SJ has to say. Uh, and then rant about Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> I don't actually think that I have... I mean, I can understand objectively that I have kind of an interesting life, but I don't really feel like I have an interesting life. And I think a lot of that is because my life used to be so much more chaotic than it is. Oh, yeah, but chaotic does not equal interesting. No, 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 chaotic does not equal interesting, but... Like, most of my life is genuine... Like, my ideal life at the moment is just me in front of the computer for about 10 hours a day and then going <laughs> to sleep and then getting up and going in front of the computer and then, like, three times a week going around to a girl's place and having sex, which is objectively <laughs> wow. pretty uninteresting. But in terms of, like, the stuff that I do and the stuff that I think and the stuff that I create, I think, I think I'm think i pretty interesting. And I think you create some, some cool... Well, I don't think you create as wait much on, stuff on. as you should. Can you explain... Wait, no, you don't think... Okay, we will get to that. But <laughs> why do you think that that's your ideal? Oh, because I, it's when I'm most productive. So, like, okay, my ideal... We are so good at staying on theme. So this is our 2015 <laughs> special. My ideal life is getting up, going to the gym for, like, two to three hours because uh, I found that if I listen to podcasts at the gym, I go on the treadmill or the, the stationary bike for like two hours without even thinking about it. So get, getting up, going to the gym for a couple of hours, coming home, working on various things for about 10 hours, uh, and then either watching TV or just going to sleep. Uh, a couple of times a week, going around to someone's house and, and having some very vanilla sex. And then maybe like... <laughs> but very unvanilla sex in your head. <laughs> and then... Listen to... Uh... The previous episode for more info on the unvanilla things that are going on in Peter's head while he has or, sex. Or just read my erotica. Like, I've got... Did I tell you I finished uh, I finished my my biggest commission? I, I finished a 95,000-word commission uh, in the last couple of days, uh, which is huge. That's the longest bit of continuous fiction I've ever written. That's like... That's long. That's about the length of one of the mid-sized Harry Potter books. I I didn't tell you this at the time, but I really consciously tried to be um, 
really sympathetic and excited for you. But I had just like finished listening to the last episode, which at the time is, was the third episode of Serial. And he talks in intimate detail about being held hostage by the Taliban. And it just sounds awful. It sounds so awful, like unimaginably awful that I, when you were like, I finished my commission, I was like, oh, okay. Like, it, wow, that's not how life works. I know that's not how life works. I was just thinking about how agonizing your situation was. And then I was thinking about how agonizing um, Bo Birkdahl's situation was. And <laughs> that's not a fair comparison, though. <laughs> I know it's not a fair comparison. I, I, that's why I had to consciously be like, oh, you have been listening to a podcast about a man who went through an extraordinary ordeal. You did very well. When, when I told you on Telegram, you were very excited. I, I, that was me consciously being excited for you, you. You nailed it. That was thinking about me comparing it not to Bo Bergdahl from Serial, but to myself, picturing myself finishing <laughs> a thing that long and being very excited for myself and then projecting that towards you. So first of all, if you want to if you want to know the weird things that go in my head while I'm having sex, read some of my erotica. Uh, I'll put a link to my like MC Stories page. I would recommend The Elephant in the Closet, uh, or The Kindness of Strangers. They're probably the two best ones to start with. What's that about? Elephant in the Closet is about a, a woman whose housemate is convinced that she's gay, and so to prove that she's not, she has all kinds of crazy sex with him. Oh, I think I've read that one. Really? Yeah, I think I might have read that one. Uh, it's good, it's fun. And a Logical Fellatio, that's the one I normally recommend to people because it's just silly and fun. Uh, yeah. uh, and then if you want to read something a bit darker, Limits is my like award-winning series. Uh, and then after that, just kind of click whatever strikes your fancy. For those who might not know what kind of stuff you write, can you just like give a bit of a, like, I would say explanation, but what I really mean is warning. <laughs> so yeah, warning, it's, it's all incest mind control. It's not all incest mind control. Logical Fellatio and The Elephant in the Closet and The Kindness of Strangers have no incest in them whatsoever. And it's very kind of abstracted mind control, so it, it doesn't feel particularly dirty. And so those are good ones to recommend to people who want to check out my stuff. And then if you want to read something dirtier than that, uh, Limits or Helpful Hannah or oh, what's the other? Uh, Redheads Waiting, people really like, that kind of stuff. Uh, they, they get like a bit darker. And then after that, go through the collection and there's all kinds of dark stuff. Anyway, my ideal day is right, getting up, going to the gym, writing for 10 hours, working on board games for 10 hours, or you know, editing podcasts for a couple of hours and then doing other stuff, whatever, you know, 10 hours of work, and then watching TV until sleep. And then one day a week going out and playing board games with some people and a couple of nights a week going around to people's house and having sex. That's, And so that doesn't sound inherently interesting. That sounds very, very small. Small? Yeah, it just sounds small. I mean, it's not when you consider that I think you interact with a lot of your friends online. Yeah, yeah. So if you spend 10 hours a day at your computer, that's quite expansive. But just like... Yeah, if, if, if you're watching me on a video camera, you'd be like, what is this guy's life? Your Jenny cam would be awful. Who is Jenny Cam? Wait, don't know. you don't know who Jenny Cam is? No, what, what's Jenny Cam? Oh, Jenny Cam is um, a woman called Jenny, uh, or it would have been in, I think, the 90s. She put a, a camera in her room 24 hours a day. Oh, I, I do know about this. For years. Anyway, there's a really there's a really good Reply All episode about Jenny Cam. I will, I will check that out. I've, I downloaded, I've, I've been looking at like top lists of podcasts to submit this to a few different podcast sites and stuff like that. And in the process of reading about podcasts, you find like a thousand podcasts that sound really interesting. So I've just recently uh, downloaded like 40 new podcasts that I want to listen to. So I want to start going to the gym so I can listen to podcasts. It's really a, a vicious... Everything in my life at the moment is I just want to set, settle down and go to the gym, but instead I'm going to be traveling for five months. So that'll be fun. Woohoo! <laughs> so you can to... go to the gym in your brain. That's, no, that, that's not how... No, that's... That is how it works. You know you can like walk places like briskly yeah i've been doing that okay good because I, I don't have a gym at the moment um anyway so my life on the on the outside looks uninteresting but i do a lot of cool stuff in that time like i've got a bunch of board games coming out and i do a podcast with my ex and i'm starting up a new podcast have i told you about my new vine series yes you have but for everyone at home <laughs> you're so shit at this <laughs> <laughs> you either say no or you say oh yeah that's this thing which leads me into explaining it come on you are right i did not yes and that well no you were like yep next topic i'm gonna start doing that every time you bring something up <laughs> <laughs> so you have a new vine series where every day you give a piece of advice and it's called everyday advice oh you, you were listening vine videos are six second long clips it's kind of like instagram um, but it's all videos. Man, there are some funny ones on there. 
I'm not talking about yours, but there are some funny lines. You knew way more about that than I expect you to know. Uh, I'm actually impressed, so... I looked at, I looked at it. I've, I've been getting a bunch of views because I cross-posted to my Tumblr, which cross-posts to, to Facebook. And so all of my videos at the moment have like 300 plus loops, which is quite a lot for Vine, apparently. Is it? I keep getting little notifications. You know, like when you click through Facebook, you got notifications? Yeah. He's been like, hey, Peter, you've received over a thousand Vine loops on your Vines or whatever. And I'm like, oh, apparently that's worth celebrating. Yay, me. Okay. So I feel like at a point you need to just go, okay, no more social media platforms. I'm done. Because at the moment, I don't mean you. I mean people in general. <laughs> I thought this was like when you were like, my name's Peter and I update Facebook too much. Um, although I do not like when Tumblr cross posts to Facebook. I think it looks crap. But um, that's a different story. I think like when do you decide like that's, that's enough social media platforms because there's just they're just uh, well the the trouble is if you do if you make that decision suddenly you're behind the times no but it's just there's just so fucking many so like today you sent me a really interesting article about how to get a bunch of hits from pinterest yes i did because <laughs> i don't know anything about pinterest right but and I that's what i'm saying you would know about pinterest if you hadn't drawn this line and been like i don't care about any more social media i haven't drawn a line i'm i i have the opposite of drawn a line. I have a lot of social media accounts and I'm like, ooh, how do I use Pinterest? But I'm like, well, should I spend my time investing in that? Or should I like... Reinvest in the ones you're already on? Yeah, invest into the things that... Because or... you've got a fairly large Facebook following, don't you? Yeah, so um, I think most people know my stuff through Facebook. What, what's what's your honorously profile? No, not profile. What's your page audience likes at? I think it's like about two and a half thousand. It's pretty decent. You know, it is what it is. That's a lot more than what I used to have. and Less than you want. <laughs> but at the same time, the more people that... like, It's a really powerful tool, but at the same time, Facebook can be really, really frustrating. Yeah. Um, because I'm not... To anyone who doesn't know, like, Facebook has um, a lot of really complicated algorithms uh, that work to promote posts that are the kind of things that will go viral which is why you for me i end up seeing so many like cute animal videos um it's a hard life or like a baby's first bacon which is, was is this when, why you stopped following facebook because you're like i am so sick of watching cute animals and babies eating bacon no it's because like that stuff goes viral and the, the algorithms kind of like encourage that to happen but the other thing that's really frustrating is Facebook has made it as such that it's specifically less helpful for people who create stuff. So, for instance, if you are creating a post that Facebook thinks that you will want people to see, so um, it mentions words like tickets or buy or like giveaway or anything like that, oh. it will make sure that people don't see it. So you pay to promote it. So you anything that you actually want people to see so that you can get paid, it will deliberately not show people. Huh. The other thing is that if you put a link to anything outside of Facebook, it will not show people that post. And then once you start paying for posts, it will start showing people less posts so that then you have to keep paying. Oh, wow. It's like your first hit is free kind of thing. Yeah. So they're, they're like, it kind of builds you into the system and then it makes it so that you have to pay for it more regularly and more often. Is this why, is this why people are so crazy about mailing lists at the moment? This is why people are so crazy about mailing lists because it, it's really useful to understand how this stuff works because then you know how to actually make people see stuff. I'm interested in how you can get people to see stuff and yeah, you create stuff that you care about and and you want people to see. You sound like you sound like you feel guilty about it. Like I want well, people to view the stuff I spend hours on. It's difficult because there's this. I feel like there's this really big pull, particularly between with my stuff or, or the stuff that I create, because the stuff that I create is largely around common themes of vulnerability, authenticity, being honest with my ex, being honest <laughs> and feelings. And then to have this other side, which is really gamified and cun cunning, I feel vulnerable talking about that side sometimes yeah, that makes because sense. it makes me seem like I'm cunning in the process of making work that is trying to be very authentic. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, so your your desire to share your stuff clashes with your image of being someone who is not manipulative. Well, I mean, you're not manipulative, you know what I mean? Well, it's this it's like the the truth is that to be able to get more people to see your things, you need you, like you 
are a greatly advantage if you understand how the system works. It would be really nice if you just, and, and I used to do that a lot with what I used to make. I used to really reject the systems that were in place to make you successful in whatever means that meant to you. Uh, and I was like, yeah, fuck the system. I'm going to find a place where there isn't a system. And then I was like, oh, I'm getting older. And I realized that everywhere has systems and you just kind of just need to work out. Do you want to talk about James Cameron? Oh, shut up. (laughs) Are you talking about that conversation that we had? The first really big fight we had as a couple. Yeah. Me and SJ had been dating for maybe like two to three weeks. Was it only that long? Wow. Not very long at all. It, It was less than two months. I think it was, I think it was possibly less than a month as well. And we were talking as you do about, you know, stuff you're into and all that. And she at that point, we'd just gotten together. And for a while you were like, oh yeah, this is this guy I'm having sex with. And then I was like, I'm awesome. And then you were like, oh shit, he is awesome. I actually no, really no, no, like no, this no, no, guy. No, 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 Let's just rewind back a bit. First of all, you were like, I'm awesome. And I was like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> so I was like, at that stage, I had never heard someone refer to themselves as awesome. And I was like there's something wrong with you (laughs) if you would a think that that's one thing I mean like I feel like that's okay but like publicly express that to someone that you had just met and according was just kind of weird to me but also at the same time like uh attractive in its novelty and and then you you're talking to your brother about me oh I don't remember this bit oh so okay this, this is how I remember it I could be wrong is that you were talking to your brother and you were describing me and then you were like oh shit he is really awesome. And that's when you were like, ah, oh, I like this guy. Yeah, I think I know that there was a bit where I was like, ah, oh, damn it, he was right. <laughs> what a fuckhead. Uh, and so we'd been, we'd been courting for a couple of weeks at that point. And I was on my way to work and I was running late because I used to always run late to work uh, because they didn't really give a shit and neither did I. I was driving you to work. This is, this is like the last job job I ever had. Um, and to give context, at this point, I, like, I went and studied uh, a Bachelor of Fine Arts in sculpture and spatial practice. Which makes sense with your desire to be a singer. <laughs> Which makes sense with their desire to be a singer, yes. And it's a very arty world and very I was like, like steeped in the art world and you know, my favorite films were by Werner Herzog, who I still think is great. Um, but uh, I really very much rejected the mainstream. And, and I was talking about how one of my absolute favorite directors was James Cameron. Because he looked at Hollywood and said, hang on, this is a system. And then fucking gamed that system like no other human has ever gamed the system. James Cameron directed uh, Terminator 2, or Terminator and then Terminator 2. And they did well. And then he was like, I want to make a documentary about the Titanic. Like, going down the Titanic. And they were like, look, we can't really give you money to make a documentary. How about you make a film? And he's like, okay. So he sat down and wrote this film. Was it Titanic? Uh, yeah, yeah. And he started making it. And they were like, dude, you, your budget was $100 million. You're up to $150 million. And you're still going. He's like, yep. <laughs> and they're like, man, we, like, this is, this is not, not going to make money. He's like, no, trust me. This is going to make infinite money. And they were like, look, we're not going to give you a director's fee. You're going to have to waive your director's fee. He's like, look, I'll waive my director's fee for a percentage of the profit. They're like, okay, you idiot. Um, end up finishing that film at $220 million budget, which is more than most films ever make. And I think it was the most expensive film at all time. And the studio was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, Jesus, what have we done? We have just made the most expensive flop of all time. Titanic made more money than any film had ever made. I How think, much money did it make? I think 1.6 or 1.8 or 2.2, like somewhere in that range, billion dollars. Lots of money. Whereas before that, the previous high was like just under a billion dollars, something like that. So then James Cameron went off and was like, I'm going to film documentaries about Titanic and I'm going to do this other stuff. And then he's like, I'm going to build a camera. And everyone's like, okay, James Cameron, you do that. You build a camera. And then he was like, I've built a 3D camera. Look at this, mum. And everyone was like, good thing, mate. Yeah, 3D was around in the 70s. And then everyone stopped watching it because it was dumb. He's like, no, 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 I'm going to bring it back. And everyone's like, okay, James Cameron, sure. You're not going to do as well as you did with Titanic. Titanic broke every record. No human can ever do that twice. Avatar made $2.6 billion. So James Cameron, <laughs> his own record. he's the only person to come close. Like people are thinking maybe Star Wars will get close to Titanic, but still to this day, the two highest grossing films of all time are number one, Avatar, number two, Titanic. James Cameron is this just gamifying machine. 
And so Wait, how, why do you think that he's getting like none of that made me think he's good at gaming the system because I feel like you can't break every record without being like what do people want to see let's make exactly that because uh, okay. like both Av- Avatar was the must-see film of the of the of the year whatever year it was 2008 I think it took me so long to see that movie I didn't see that movie until 2000 and 11 and it was when i was backpacking in costa rica and it was in spanish <laughs> but like everyone i know went and saw that in the cinema and everyone is like oh i hate that film which i think is, is just part of the backlash of having success like star wars is seeing at the moment people are like it's not that good um a lot of people are like avatar's really dumb it's a bad film and yet everyone saw that at the cinema except for apparently you yeah but it's it's difficult because like in movies like that the reviews are like this this movie will make you believe in the goodness of life again yeah it's not gonna do that no it's a movie and so we were in your car and i think i was probably going on a very similar rave to this one about james cameron okay so the rave exactly was about what was success oh really i don't remember That's what this. the rave okay. was this is what this is what the argument was about the argument was you were saying you like James Cameron because he was really successful. And I was like, how do you define success? And you were like, he made a crap ton of money. And I was like, well, I don't think that that's how you should define success. And you were like, no, I think that that is how you should define success. If you make a lot of money, it means a lot of people liked your thing. And that means that you are successful. And I was like, no, there is a lot of really, really great shit that never makes heaps of money. Think of Werner Herzog. And I was probably like, I don't know who Werner Herzog is. And yeah, we got into a, Yeah, that was the argument. And I was like, how am I dating this guy who I think is awesome, who thinks that success is completely revolved around monetary, like financial success? I no longer think it's completely revolved around that. I do think that that's a solid metric of success, though. Like, I think if you're looking at, is this thing successful and it makes a billion dollars, it's hard to be like, that was unsuccessful. I... I... It's funny. I think that we have both moved further towards the middle. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, what's your stance now? So I think that there's a lot of really successful things that never get the financial rewards that they deserve or they can't get the financial rewards because of the format or whatever they're in or blah, blah, blah particularly things that maybe you would consider ahead of their time. I'm sort of on 2011 Peter's side now because I'm like, well, you can't call that a really successful thing then, can you? Uh, I mean, so like I re- I'm a really big proponent of success is whatever you define it. So I have, I think, had, I have m- had multiple crises and by crises, I mean like this is part of the reason why I ended up in hospital last year around like what is success and how do you define it and what does that mean in your life? So... I am. I definitely don't think that there's one answer to this question. I think there's a lot of different metrics, and I think for each person you have to like prioritize what are the things that are important to you, and you have to accept that prioritization. And that's been a big thing for me. I think particularly in the last year is being like, oh, actually, you know what? For me, success is about getting to do more of what I want rather than having heaps of money. And I accept that there will be situations where maybe I feel belittled or disempowered because of my prioritization. And that's part of that process. What what do you mean by that? Like, for instance, oh man, I remember being at a party. This is when I was having a really bad time, but I remember being at a party last year sometime when someone was saying something about rent prices and it was people that I didn't know and someone said like, oh, how much did they want in rent? Oh, they wanted like like 520 or something. And then the other person was like, yeah, but they couldn't pay for it. And one of them said, what are you talking about? That person is 25 years old. They should be able to pay that in rent. Uh... And in my head, I was like, wow, I wouldn't be able to pay that in rent. I can't remember what the figure was, but I was like, I wouldn't be able to do that right now. And I almost left the party because I had like a really, like I had like an anxiety, I wouldn't say attack, but like a really, really bad episode experience triggered off by that because I was like, fuck, I'm like not a real adult or not a real human or not successful enough because I can't get to wherever that is. Um, and But all of these metrics are totally arbitrary and self-defined and culturally supported so, you know, once you go outside of your, once you move to the left, the right, or your social group, it all kind of changes. Um, so I think an understanding of that is really helpful. This is something I've been thinking a lot about in terms of, I've been using this exact language, but now that we're talking about it, I realize I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of 
life choices. So what is a successful life? Because you, well, you knew me when I was a, I'm a very simple creature and I have a lot of trouble seeing the world and stuff other than black and white. It's one of your many quirks. I was trying to think of something. <laughs> quirks is a nice non-mean <laughs> way of saying that. Yeah, nah. it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm increasingly capable of seeing the world in shades of grey, but it is something I actually have to work at. Huh. I like labels. I really like labels. This is so funny because I, as we are getting older, we are both becoming more middle of the road but from opposite sides yeah. like um, you are coming from like super logical side to like seeing things in more gray and i'm going from like more chaotic emotional. emotional side to more of like the middle zen do you want to talk about the fact that you are sort of turning into me yeah although yeah we can talk about that so uh lately we've had probably close to 10 conversations the last month or two where one of us has said almost exactly the phrase I am turning into you or you are turning into me in terms of purely SJ turning into Peter. Has there been any situations where you've been turning into me? I'm no. really glad that now you are saying <laughs> that you're becoming... Uh, like... No, no. You you have been on a oh. trajectory from... To, <laughs> zero to Peter. Peter. <laughs> from zero to Peter. <laughs> Uh, actually, can you can you explain that? I don't want to accidentally misrepresent you. In terms of me turning into you? Yeah. Okay, so... Um, you, you've changed a lot over the last few years, I think. I've changed a lot over the past few years, particularly in the last year. I like how we're doing a year retrospective, incidentally. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say a lot of these changes have been in a Peterwood direction. In a Hayward direction. So, I think... That pun was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it all means, but I think, like, there's been individual things. Like, I think that I, I'm i much better at failing at things now. And I don't know if you remember this, but I remember at our engagement party. Um, do you remember the speech that I made? Yeah, I remember that. Um, I made this speech. We hadn't really prepared speeches that much, but I started it with, Peter is a person that I've met that has failed the most. Seriously, this guy has failed so much. He has fucked up so many times, like in huge ways. And he just keeps going. How does he do that? He just keeps fucking up. And I remember everyone in the, like, who was there being really confused as to why my speech was just like sounded like I was um, digging into you. Oh, see, I, I don't see that as anything but super positive. Oh yeah, but like... I think it's because I read a lot of Peanuts comics as a kid. Anyway, so I think that's part of it. Uh, it's funny, I don't think that that's because of you though, because how you... I remember you trying to motivate me in that direction when we were together, but I don't think that that's come from you. I think it's come from... So well, um, let's explain what do you mean. How do you feel that you are fucking up more? And why is it positive? Because I'm okay with failing at stuff and stuff not working. Because you, did, you didn't used to be? Yeah. So I have this phrase that, okay, I have a couple of phrases. One is by Kanye West and it's, he says, you win or you learn, which I think is great. Thank you, Kanye. Uh, and the other is done is better than perfect. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has been from, I'm really interested in how people get things done. I've also read, I got gifted this really great book. Okay. It's actually right in front of me, so I'm going to read it. <laughs> so, page one. <laughs> no, 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 no. I got gifted it from a friend when I was in this spot where I just wanted um, so many things to happen at once. Like, I was... You were trying to wear too many hats? I wanted proof that I was going somewhere. I, I wanted to prove myself, and I wanted everything to happen now, and I was really impatient. And this was at the end of last year, so like a year ago. When you say the end of last year... I mean uh, I mean a year ago. I mean the end of 2014. Right. Okay, so, and my friend got me this book. Uh, it's called Little Bets, How Breakthrough Ideas Emerge from Small Discoveries. And in it she wrote, this is kind of sweet. She said, for your ensuing endeavors and to remember that things happen little by little and often without really knowing where the little by little is going. Have a fantastic 2015. Um, she bought me that book. And it's really about like trying stuff and failing, experimenting. And there's this whole idea of design thinking, which is all about experimentation and failure. But I didn't even read the whole book. Don't tell my friend. Um, <laughs> You're saying that like we're not recording this and putting it online for everyone to listen to? 
But I read enough of it to get a lot from it. I won't message them personally, but if they listen to this, I'm not going to like beep out that sentence. (laughs) One thing that I got from that book, which I think is really helpful and which I actually just wrote about in, I did a piece about New Year's resolutions and about kind of how crap they are, but uh, about what I've done this year to kind of uh, take stock, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which you can find on my website if you want to, or we'll link it in the show notes or something. But um, it's talking about growth versus fixed mindset. And that was a really, really big eye-opener for me. So fixed mindset is the idea that your capabilities are static. So you are intelligent or you are fit or you are right, yeah, yeah. flexible. Black and white thinking. <laughs> or you are creative. Um and a growth men's mindset is about is you know that you can develop those things that criticism helps you get better blah 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 yeah anyway a lot of schooling really in reinforces a fixed mindset you know people talk about that kid is special that kid is uh, gifted so particularly for me um, I grew up and I was a really academic kid so I was intelligent and gifted and those were things that were me and part of the problem with that is that you're it doesn't leave room for development it encourages you to rest on your laurels and it means that you're always kind of questioning those those kind of signifiers on who you are um, rather than kind of growing into whoever it is you are and want to be so I think that's part of how I've become more like Peter. <laughs> One thing that I always liked about you and I is that we both agreed on disliking schools. <laughs> on school reform, that's what I should say. We, we both think that schools could be a lot better and different than they are. Did we agree on that? Uh, I, okay, I really, I think there's, yeah, I believe in educational reform. I think there's a lot of things that could be done better. But I, I also really enjoyed school. Yeah, I, but... I, I did well in school. I never really liked it. I think, I think maybe what I'm thinking of is us agreeing is me going on a rant and you nodding. Um, cause I, yeah, I, that counts as agreeing. Because I, I, I strongly believe that schools, particularly primary and high school, well, particularly primary and high school, um, particularly secondary school, should focus more on actual useful skills in life than they do. So rather than having to deconstruct a poem from the 1800s, I think you should have to do a class where you put together a budget for a year. Well, that's interesting because at my at my school there was a big element of that in the the program that I like in the year nine program. It was all based around that, so you had to do a big budget for when you would move out. Oh right, so we never calcula- had anything like, like that. Like make yourself a meal plan and calculate all the costs of having a car and all that kind of and, crap. And stuff like home ec, uh, which is cooking and all that, it, uh, well, cooking particularly is a bludge subject that no one does if they want to get good grades. People do because they're going to get an easy A, but you don't do if you have if you want to actually do well in school kind of thing. Whereas everyone cooks every day of their life. Why is that not mandatory from kindergarten until year twelve? I don't get it. Yeah, I actually, I really, I agree in terms of the learning aspect. Okay, so I agree that schools should teach more useful shit. In particular, I feel like they should, and they are doing now, like more kind of like stuff around emotional regulation, like mindfulness is coming into schools in a big way. And um, like uh, the Victorian government last year announced that they were going to replace like religious studies with I could be wrong on this but from my understanding it was uh subjects around relationship education how to have healthy relationships and also right that's such a good idea like history and uh faith kind of like talking about faith and different faiths in general rather than about religion a particular religion which I think is really good um and there's a lot of great groups that are doing work around preventing domestic violence in particular and doing that by like the preventative measure is to talk about what is a healthy relationship which never happened in my school like is why I've been in unhealthy situations because I literally did not know that that was not how it worked yeah, how, how are you meant to know that uh, one thing I've been thinking about a, a lot lately actually this has been something I've been kind of obsessed with is it actually relates back to what you were saying about you're creative or not creative it's a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset is that I, I agree with that broadly, but I also think that, that there's some things that we beat ourselves up over not being able to change, whereas in fact, we can't change them. So 
I'm going to use myself as an example because this is a really big one that it took me years to come to terms with, is I lose things constantly. Aww, you do. I remember having to, like, anything that I didn't want you to lose, I would tie around your neck. Yeah, so if you hand me something, I will lose it. That is just, that is a fact. And I spent, and most people aren't like that. Most people, you can hand them something and they will hold on to it or they'll know where it is. Um, my cousin Gavin, who's like a brother to me, I love him to bits. We've lived together for probably five years over the last 10 years or something like that, possibly more. And it was amazing living with him because I would walk into the lounge room and be like, do you know where my keys are? And he's like, yes, last night you put them next to the fruit bowl. And I would have no idea how to how he knew that like that is just not part of my my skill set or my brain or anything like that that's just not something i'm i'm capable of but because it was so easy for him and you talk to people about it and you're like hey i lose things they're like well just don't lose things like i don't lose things therefore you should be able to not lose things come up with a system to not lose things not, not even come up with a system they're just like i don't lose things therefore you should be able to not lose things and it took me years to come to terms with the fact that it's not something i'm capable of it's not like i'm trying to lose things or i'm not trying hard enough to keep things and so rather than being like, I'm going to stop losing things, which is what I genuinely tried to do for years and years, I've had to come to terms with the fact that I need systems to hold on to things. So now my, my wallet is my phone. Uh, for Christmas, SJ got me a lovely phone case wallet combination. Which is the exact same as mine. Twinsies. Uh, and so my credit cards are in my phone. So if I ever lose my wallet, I can call my phone. I have a little thing called Tile attached to my keys. So when I lose my keys, I can call my keys. I have stopped writing stuff down on pieces of paper ever. I now put it in my phone because if I have it on a piece of paper, I will lose that piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, you will. And so like I have one USB stick. I went out and bought a 128 gigabyte USB stick and put it on my keychain, which I can call because we used to have a lot of USB sticks and I would lose all the important ones. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. And so it took me years and years to come to terms with the fact that no, I am not a person who can just not lose things. I will lose things. I need workarounds. Well, I think that there definitely needs a combination of like, you know, what's that serenity prayer? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, God, give me the courage to face the things I cannot change. No, the courage to change the things I cannot. Things I can. Yeah, etc. <laughs> change the thing. Basically, change the things you can and to accept the things that you can't change. Yeah. And the wisdom to know the difference. And so in my ideal world, schools would like, someone would sit down and nut out all these things because there's like losing stuff. There's having a sense of direction. I have no sense of direction. But a big bunch of it is like, so I mean, what schools will talk about is like teaching kids how to learn stuff. That's kind of the idea, right? Is we teach kids how to learn stuff and then they learn how to not lose their keys or how yeah, to I, like... I don't, think, I don't think teachers got that memo because most teachers just try to teach stuff. It is not about that. I, that I, I do not think that that is the teacher's fault. That is like the educational system. Right. I'm saying I want to change the educational system. That, okay, was, the, the, all right. cr that was the basis of this whole discussion. I was like, there will be no ragging on teachers. No, I have no issue with teachers. Um, <laughs> But I, okay, so this is the thing I've been thinking about lately is I want someone, not me because I don't have time, to devise a series of tests <laughs> to help, this, this is part of my black and white thinking, to help categorize people into is really good at not losing things or really bad at, at not losing things. Uh, you know, has a good sense of direction, has no sense of direction, has a good ability to like map, you know, look at a map and work out how that relates to real life or not, knows their left and right. Some people just get, like my friend who I just had dinner with the other night, she cannot do left and right. She was directing me in the car and I was like, which way? And she would point. And that's because she doesn't know left and right. And it's not that she's stupid or she hasn't tried. She's in, a, she's in her late 20s now. She's obviously in the last 20 odd years tried to learn left and right and just reached the conclusion that she can't. She's worked it out. That's the thing. Yeah. And she's obviously spent so many years frustrated like I was because I was like, oh, well, I should just not lose things. That's what people tell me to do. And so, yeah, I reckon it should be part of the fucking school system to, like, break people down into these elements and be like, okay, all you people who are really good at losing things, uh, you go to this class. Everyone who loses stuff nonstop, come with me. We're going to teach you systems to not lose things. I think that would do <laughs> far better than, like, six years of my education ever did. Okay, I, I agree with you on the educational front, but I think what, to me, is more interesting about what you're talking about is that thing of acceptance and then... It, that growth thing is about like finding ways of improving whatever that thing yeah, is. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think as adults, we should be looking at that. But also, why is that not part of our academia? Well, I think, yeah, how I think about what you're talking about is in terms of, you know, I've spent 12 years in the mental health system and I've spent two years, my, my top priority was my mental health. 
So that's a long time. Yeah. And there's been a lot of points of frustration of like, why can't I just X, Y, Z? Yeah, absolutely. Why can't I just deal with this? Why do I have to do that? This, you know, particularly, uh, I think we've mentioned this before, but like my sister, to my knowledge, hasn't had any mental health issues. And so it feels frustrating when I look at our lives because when you're a twin, it's really easy to look, to compare your lives and to see how much time... What could have been all those If I want to think about it in a negative way, I could say how much time I've lost compared to her and where she's at. And I think that that's something that it took a really long time to accept and a situation where I'm actually writing a thing about this at the moment about... My sister doesn't know about this, but about (laughs) my relationship with my sister and my relationship with my mental health and how being able to accept my illness helped me to become a better sister to, to my sister because I found myself, you know, the facade of hurt is anger. And so I found myself like frustrated, angry at my sister, mostly because I was frustrated and angry at my situation. Yeah. And at her by proxy because my situation was reflected by her situation. Anyway, that's just my thing. Hopefully I'll... I've been working on that piece for ages, so hopefully I'll actually finish it. So I was talking to my brother about the fact that you're more interesting than me, which is why I always ask you questions. And so now let's start our summary of the fucking year <laughs> uh, with you. How's your year? Well, it's interesting because I already did a, sum- a summary of the year, which is what I mentioned before i wrote a piece called like a post it's not a big post again that thing of done is better than perfect called goals and resolutions and forgiveness i think about looking at the year and i think that resolutions are really shit because usually it's just a bunch of things that you think you're crap at and also i think that you should be able to reinvent yourself all the time and forgive yourself constantly um (laughs) but I think that it's been, and part of it, I did a little bullseye thing where I look at like how I kind of, where do I want to be and where do I think I am in, you know, terms of relationships and health and work and stuff like that. But it's been nice because I've asked people what their, how their years have been as well. And my brother just did one and he did a really, really nice thing. And I found out he's dating someone What through the post, which is really cute. We'll put a link to the post in the show notes. Yeah. And the other thing that I really liked about what he did was he looked at each area and he, instead of, I gave it a rating out of 10 in mind. And what he did was he framed it in terms of, I like, I wish, or, and I wonder. So what's, what's an example? Like in terms of leisure, I like, this is what my brother wrote, the variety of adventures from Himalayan trekking for climate awareness to lighthouse rambling that occupied me during the year. I wish that I had a better system for scheduling time before being abruptly stopped in my tracks whilst reading, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, or, and I wonder how I can create more space for growing rather than just doing aimlessly in the year ahead. See, I, I did a, one of my everyday advice, I did a vine on New Year's resolutions because it's a little bit like Avatar and Titanic. I did see that one. It said, uh, New Year's re- resolutions, you can do resolutions every day. Well, that's it. So I, I feel like there's this big backlash against news resolutions, whereas I think they can be really helpful to people. I think that if, if doing news resolution is helpful to you, do it. And there's a lot of people being like, guys, news resolutions are stupid because you can do them anytime. You can do them anytime. You can also have a party anytime, but we have it on our birthday. Like, I have no issue with a news resolution. I don't have issues with news resolutions unless you use them to beat yourself up. So, like, if you, like, sit down and go through a process of, like, what's everything that I'm not doing very well? Like, that's not necessarily an inspiring thing. And I got this from, I don't know if you remember the whole Nicole Arbor last year, the Dear Fat People video that went viral in which she basically just said, you know, we should shame fat people so Uh, then hopefully they will lose weight. I don't know it, but I know the kind of thing. And is it just like, it's one of those... I don't actually want to link to it in the show notes because people who make that kind of content get financially rewarded for making offensive content and... We'll just link to a neo-Nazi site instead. <laughs> and and so I try to be mindful about what I'm consuming because they are deliberate... Like people like Nicole Arbour are deliberately making content 
that will piss people off so people will share it and get angry and they will get more views and they will get more money and followers and blah 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 so the best thing you can do if you do not like them is you can support people whose views you do like and you can share them anyway a guy talked about in response a lot of people did responses to that video and this guy I thought he summed it up really well was that the reason why fat shaming doesn't work is because to go through the huge mental physical changes that need to happen for you to lose weight or whatever and whatever goal you want to make for being more healthy you need to first like and respect yourself and so shaming someone to get them to do something good for themselves is the absolute worst thing that you can do so I'm just I'm not against new resolutions I'm against pro like empowering resolutions or being mindful of how you are thinking about what you have done you're against that no no no, I'm not against New Year's resolutions. I am just for oh, being okay. mindful about when you're doing them. I thought you said, I am not against New Year's resolutions. I am against being mindful and having goals <laughs> and trying to improve yourself. That is, I do not stand for that shit. My name is Honor Eastley and I stand by not ever doing anything. <laughs> that definitely sounds like me. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just think that I just think that you should be mindful when you're doing that stuff and... Be aware. So I, I like to do this thing at New Year's called Big Four, Little Four. Oh yeah, I haven't done that in ages. Uh, I haven't actually either done it for a couple of years. Um, but I just I find it it's not a resolution so much as a prioritization. I think it's a prioritization. Yeah, I, I think I got this from some website and maybe built on it a little bit. But basically, the idea is that you write down the four big things that you want to focus on in the new year, and then four like little supplementary things that you want to focus on. It's as much about making them and looking back on them as it is about following through yeah exactly yeah and so you write down the the big four little four they're called you write down your big four and your little four and then set an alarm for once a month and at the start of every month write down the big four and little four for that month and then at the end of the year you can look back and be like look at the start of the year i really wanted to start a colony of lepers uh i didn't focus on it in any month and so it obviously didn't happen this year, I'm either going to make that my focus month to month or I'm not going to make it one of my big four because I'm not going to do it kind of thing. Uh, so what would you, going on to 2016, um, what would you put as your big four little four for, for 2016, SJ? Oh. I'll, I'll do mine first if you want. Okay, you do yours first. So I, I've not thought about this until now. I've forgotten about it, actually. I should write this down. Um, I want to, this year in 2015, sorry, last year, I went over to America for the first time and just fucking loved it. I had the best time of my life. And so I really want to move there. So my, my big four are going to be mostly focused on getting me to America. I remember because I remember reading a post about how you had fallen in love in America when we weren't talking. And I was like, that butthead, which doesn't make sense because <laughs> I had done the exact same thing. Yeah, you fell in love with like nine people in the time it f- took me to fall in love with one. I do it just looking at different colors of ribbon. <laughs> That's amazing. I can't keep any ribbons in my house. I can't go to craft stores or anything like that. Are you joking? Is that real? Are you serious? Of course I'm joking. You can't? Oh, so you can keep ribbons in your house. Yeah. I I thought yeah, maybe I wear... you had a ribbon addiction. I don't know. No, I, I'm fine with ribbons. Fine. <laughs> I just don't get jokes, SJ. I just don't get them. <laughs> uh, so, so one of my big four is I've started a new board game company called Jellybean Games. I blog about that on my business blog, the Bluebeard business blog, which you can find at beard.blue. Do you know you can make that a website? Beard.blue? How great is that? <laughs> oh. I was so excited. Um, and so one of my big four is, is just get some board games out there. Uh, another one is keep on working on erotica because I want to increase my income from erotica so I can have more time to spend on board games this year. Uh, I want to... Huh, I don't know. I've only really got those two big ones. When we were together... <laughs> you used to have heaps of things. Oh, this podcast. I want this. Uh, maybe this is this little one. One of my little ones is, is being honest with hey. my ex. This isn't a this isn't a big one. Is it a big one for you? We do it every week. Well, yeah, but like it doesn't take. I don't know. Maybe this is maybe this is a big one. Okay, so board games, erotica, podcasts. I'm going to pluralize it because as well as this, I've got my daily Vine. I want to start up another podcast, and I've got a vague idea for a third one. Okay, that's all I've got at the moment. I'm going to throw over to you. Okay, I really need to pee. Is that <laughs> a big four or a little four? <laughs> Um, probably right now it's like big four, top priority. So we, we podcast, we do two podcasts in a row. We had a break before this one so you could go to the toilet. What did you do? I made tea. Also, I didn't tell you this before, but I am a tiny bit tipsy. Yeah, you did not mention that. Uh, (laughs) 
Mostly because A, I wanted a beer. Yeah. Um, but B, because I know that you really dislike people drinking before they do stuff. Yeah, I don't like and it. And I thought I was just really interested to see if you would notice. I didn't notice, so you you, you made the right choice. Um, yeah. Okay, you run to so, the loo. I'm going to think about my big four, little four. Go. Okay. How was the bathroom? It was pretty exciting. Uh, so while you're gone, I did some thinking and I worked out some stuff I've learned. Firstly, we've really got to stop trying to do themed shows. It's just not, it doesn't work for us. Um, <laughs> yeah. This, I, this I know like, we're talking about our year in review now. Yeah, this was like 55 of. minutes of talking about other stuff. And then like at the end, I was like, oh shit, we've got to talk about our year. Uh, secondly, trying to do a big four, little four on a podcast is a really bad idea because that's mostly a curation process. Um, it's a lot of writing and then crossing out. The reason I like it as an exercise, I realized, is that it's a really nice way of solidifying your goals for the year. Because I could write, you know, 40 things down and I'd realistically only ever get to a few of them. But by having to cut it down to big four that you focus on, little four that you focus on, it really gets your priorities in straight, if that makes sense. Honestly, I think it should just be four. I like the little four as like almost backups or secondaries. Uh, so my big four are number one, I want to immigrate to America. I want to do as much as I can towards immigrating to America. Secondly, I want to work on podcasts, which is being honest with my ex and two others that I've got ideas with, and I want to keep doing my daily vines because they're fun. Thirdly, I want to work on board games, which ties into immigrating to America, but it's also a, a thing that takes up a chunk of time. And my fourth is that I want to work on erotica uh, because that's my job and I'm good at it and I have a lovely fan base who read it and I want to keep getting stuff out to them. And it takes up probably a couple of days a week I work on that. Uh, and then my little four... I don't have quite as firmly, but one of them is travel. I'm spending at least like three or four months of this month of this year just traveling. So that's going to be something that takes up a lot of time. And then outside of that, I don't really have any. Um, <laughs> but I like having to cut it down to those big four. Oh, yeah. So a little one would be sitcoms. Like I want to get back into sitcom writing this year, but that can't be our priority in the same way as those top four are. So that's what the little four are for. Like to have those kind of like, this would be nice to do, but it's not going to be a high priority month to month. Yeah. Uh, have you got any in mind? For me... Yeah, it's, it's a bad idea to try to do them live on a podcast, and that's what I learned while you were peeing. Oh, um, for me, uh, for me, like a big one is, it's weird. Okay, so I feel really vulnerable talking about this. Okay. Again, because it goes back to the thing that we, I think we spoke about earlier on this podcast, where we are talking about... Um, Success. Success and, you know... Coming across as manipulative. Yeah, coming across as manipulative. But I suppose, like, part of part of what I'm learning and trying to do is to be more of myself in a, all aspects of whatever it is I do. And part of that is, is... And that's kind of what this podcast is about. For me, personally, it's about trying to be more myself in a candid way and seeing what happens because I'm kind of afraid of that. So uh, in the notes of this podcast, we will be linking to a neo-Nazi website. Shut up. <laughs> um, Do you want to talk about your neo-Nazi tendencies? Shut up. I... <laughs> <laughs> you, like, you still have the same fucking jokes, man. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that makes me feel vulnerable. But at the same time, I really respect people who are honest about their process and people who are like proactive and take initiative and and ask for what they want and try and get it. So I really respect people who I see doing that in the creative field. Like Amanda Palmer. Um, like Amanda Palmer, Austin Kleon's another good one. Even just people that like people that I know. Um, I think there's a lot of ideas around artists. Like um, you know, the old model used to be around artists. Uh, where they would be removed and they would be just like this source of artistic genius and someone else would have discovered them and then built all of the mechanics around them. Right. Um, that's not what I do because I don't have anyone, to, like I don't have anyone who does that for me. I just You don't do have everything. a patron or whatever? No, 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 I don't have like a manager or someone who does that kind of stuff and goes like, this is how we're going to frame this and we're going to work on this and I'll organize all this stuff for you. So I'm actually working on a bunch of board games at the moment. Uh, it's, it's just interesting, the parallels, because as well as submitting board games to publishers and having them publish it, I'm also publishing my own. And so in both cases, I, I start by designing a, a, a board game. And in one of, one of them, I then hand it off to people and they publish it. Like they do all the stuff you're talking about, the marketing and the art and the the budgeting yeah. and all that. And then the other one, which is my company, Jellybean Games, I have to do all that. Yeah. 
And so it's it's like I'm working. You see both sides of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, the, the parallel struck me. So so I think it can be kind of vulnerable to reveal that you are the person doing all of the things because a it makes you feel like people might perceive you as less professional, and b it makes you feel like other people might think that you think you're really awesome and up yourself. Or whatever. <laughs> which, which, as we've learned, I have no issue with. <laughs> or that, that what you're asking for is too much. And I think there's a lot of ideas, particularly around people who work creatively, that they should be willing to sacrifice everything, like they're, you know, particularly financially um, in service of their art. And I don't think that that's fair. So, I think that people who make stuff that is meaningful to other people should be financially rewarded for it. I think that... You have to find ways of doing that. So anyway, what that leads into <laughs> is that this year I want to work on a making stuff, putting it out consistently, experimenting with things and letting things fail, which I feel is what I've kind of been doing in the last couple of months. So putting stuff out more regularly and B, the other thing is I'm working on starting a Patreon campaign which is something that Peter already has one of. I do. Patreon.com slash pan. P-A-N if you want to check it out. Which is supporting your erotica writing. Yeah. And you, that's kind of the reason why I thought about doing it. Because I support a few people on Patreon. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's kind of like an ongoing Kickstarter. It's like you can subscribe and pay money to artists that you want to support it's a bit like and the old school concept of a patron like a, a king in a castle getting an artist and being like i patronize you uh you will produce works and i will pay for them except for it's kind of micro so instead of one expensive patron you might have 600 people donating a dollar each and suddenly you're making 600 dollars a painting yeah so that's exactly how it works and so that's what i'm looking to try this year see how that goes uh, I've never done something like that, so I'm interested. I'm excited about making cool rewards and and like yeah yeah how you would do that and kind of making a community of people. Because Amanda Palmer has a very successful one, and it's really like it's a it's a beautiful community thing. Uh, my my Patreon is more is is about my erotica. And so it's a little bit harder to build a community with erotica, but I send out a monthly survey and I have a bunch of fields where people can type stuff in and people have started to leave comments. And there's just this kind of community forming around something which traditionally you don't have a community around. Like erotica very rarely builds a community. And yet I feel like I've started to build a bit of community with mine. It's really lovely. And so I can see how it would, how it would uh, translate really well to your stuff, which is more community focused than porn. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that being said, there's a lot of like a lot of successful po uh, Patreon campaigns are kind of like adult content related. But I understand what you're saying. People aren't like, oh, we read the same porn. Let's hang out. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Whereas your stuff is more community focused, and so I'm I'm very curious to see how how you'll do on Patreon. I'm really curious too, and it like every so often I'm like utterly terrified, and then I remind myself that it's okay if it doesn't work. It's okay to fail. Okay, give us one little one and we'll finish off the podcast. Okay, so I think the other thing that I would like to do is I... W you talked about wanting to make another podcast. I actually already want to make another podcast. <laughs> it's addictive, isn't it? I know, it really is, but about something that I'm really interested in, so not, which is not related me. to this. <laughs> and I kind of want it to be called like art money or art business or something. And it's just conversations with creatives about how do you make money from whatever you do and what are your kind of ethics ideas around money and what you do and yeah, where do you put it all? So don't do that, anyone <laughs> else who's listening. Because <laughs> I want to do it. But if you have ideas around, uh, A, yes, I would like to listen to that, uh, please email me at honoreasley at gmail.com or B, if you have people that you would like me to interview for that, also suggest those people. That sounds cool. Um, now, I believe we have another recording from your family member to end the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This one is my mum. Hello. Can you read this for me? Oh, thanks for listening to Being Honest with My Ex. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a review and tell your friends. Peter is my favourite son. <laughs> is Peter your favourite son? 
Peter, my favourite son. I don't have a son, Peter. I have a son, Ben and Sam. <laughs> you have a husband called Peter, though. I do have a husband called Peter, yes. <laughs> He's not my favourite son, though. <laughs> <laughs> I love my mum a lot. Thank you, mum. If you are interested in recording an outro for us, the script is... I'll just make a page on our, on our website. Uh, click through to outro, download that text, read it out into a microphone and email it to us at my What's our email address? Being honest with my ex at gmail.com. And you can be our outro for one of the podcasts. Uh, that's all from us. Thanks for listening to our 2015 extended episode summary of the year. Good times with SJ and Peter. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't need to add to that. It was really good. I feel like we mildly kept on topic. We, we definitely did not. <laughs> uh, we'll see you. Ne- we'll, we'll, we'll be in your ears next week.